Welcome back to Cherry Avenue True Crime Podcast. This is UK Killers, based on a true story movie series. This podcast is currently covering the movies that are made about true crime cases and going over the real story and details behind it. Two new movies today, The Pembrokeshire Murders and London Road, two serial killers from the UK. I also have an update on a previous case I have covered on this podcast, so if you want to hear about it, I'll go over it at the end of this episode. A reminder that new episodes come out on the 15th and 30th of each month, with the occasional bonus episode thrown out randomly. So be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. The first movie is London Road, a 2015 movie. I found it to watch on Amazon Prime. When five prostitutes are found dead in their community, residents of London Road in Ipswich, Suffolk, come together to process the events and revitalize the community. It stars Olivia Coleman, Claire Burt, Rosalie Craig, and many more. If you watch a lot of British TV and movies like I do, you will definitely recognize some of the actors in this. Even Tom Hardy has a small role in this one, and a little bit of Tom Hardy is better than no Tom Hardy. The Ipswich serial killer started his reign of terror in 2006. During this time, he killed five prostitutes, and he lived in the area for only 10 weeks. The movie is a musical, which is really weird because it's about a serial killer. Well, it is, but it's also about a community dealing with having a serial killer and serial killings right there in their neighborhood. Also, it's about the community realizing they had sex workers operating on the same street as their homes that they lived in, and this made them think about what they could do to improve their neighborhood. I'm not a huge fan of musicals, but the movie was pretty good, and it is an interesting take on a true crime story. Seen from the eyes of the people who lived in the area where the murders took place and from the eyes of the people who lived on the street of where the serial killer was found to be living. Between October 30th and December 10th of 2006, the Ipswich serial murders, also known as the Suffolk Strangler murders, took place. Five women were murdered and their bodies were discovered at different spots near Ipswich. They were all sex workers and all were found nude. On December 2, 2006, the body of a young woman was discovered in the water of Belstead Brook at Thorpe's Hill. The body was eventually identified as 25-year-old Gemma Adams. She was found naked but had not been sexually assaulted. On December 8, six days later, the body of 19-year-old Tanya Nickel was found in the water just outside of Ipswich. It was discovered that she had been missing since October 30th, and she had been friends with Gemma Adams. Two days later, on December 10th, a third victim was found in the woods near Nacton. She was eventually identified as 24-year-old Annalee Alderton. According to a police statement, she had been asphyxiated and was about three months pregnant when she died. There was a press conference after this, and women were warned to stay clear of the red light district in Ipswich. December 12th, two more bodies were found. One of them was identified two days later as 24-year-old Paula Clonell. She was known to be missing as of December 10th. Authorities said she died from compression to the throat. The other woman was identified the next day as 29-year-old Annette 
Nichols, who disappeared on December 5th. Once the murders were linked, a group nicknamed Operation Sumac was formed to investigate them. During a press conference on December 14th, authorities told the public it was believed the bodies were found at dump sites, and these sites were not where the murders occurred. Two suspects were arrested in this case. On December 18th, a 37-year-old male was arrested, but his name was never released to the public, and he was let go without charge. The second arrest was Steve Wright, 48, noted as a forklift truck driver. His arrest stuck. His trial started on January 14, 2008. He pled not guilty, but he did admit he was seeing prostitutes since the 1980s, and he said he had sex with each of the five victims in this capacity. DNA and fiber evidence linked him to the victims. The trial received a lot of media attention. The murders were compared to those of Peter Sutcliffe, known as the Yorkshire Ripper. Peter William Sutcliffe, also known as Peter William Coonan, was an English serial killer who was dubbed the Yorkshire Ripper. In 1981, he was found guilty of murdering 13 women and attempting to murder seven others between 1975 and 1980. He was sentenced to 20 concurrent life sentences of life imprisonment, which were converted to a whole life order in 2010. Steve Wright's rented home was located near the red light area. During his trial, jurors were taken to sites involved in the case, including the exterior of Wright's house and the sites where the victims were found. The first known victim to go missing was Tanya Nicole, who was just 19. She was from Ipswich. She disappeared on October 30th. Her body was discovered on December 8th in a river. There was no evidence of sexual assault and definite cause of death could not be established. Tanya left home at 16 and was a sex worker to fund her addiction to heroin and cocaine. Her mother stated she thought she was working at a bar or hairdresser's. Gemma Rose Adams was 25. She was last seen on West End Road in Ipswich where she had been living. She went missing on November 15th and her body was found on December 2nd in a river at Hintlesham. The first victim found, she was naked but had not been sexually assaulted. Gemma was from a middle-class family. As a teenager, she became addicted to heroin. She lost her job in the insurance industry due to her drug use. She was then a sex worker to finance her drug addiction. Annalise Sarah Alderton was 24, a mother of one, as well as pregnant at the time of abduction. Alderton disappeared on December 3rd. Alderton's body was found on December 10th near Nacton in the woods. She had been found posed in the cruciform position and was naked. Cause of death was asphyxiation. Annalie had been addicted to drugs since age 16, shortly after her father's death from lung cancer in 1998. Annette Nichols, 29, was from Ipswich and was also a mother of one. She had gone missing on December 8th. Her family reported her missing after hearing the news of the other murders. Nicole's body was found on December 12th near Levington, naked but not sexually assaulted, and also posed in the cruciform position. No definite cause of death could be determined. Annette had been addicted to drugs since the early 2000s. She ended up as a sex worker to fund her addiction. She was thought to be staying with a man in Ipswich at the time of her death. Paula Lucille Clonell, 24, was born in Northumberland and was living in Ipswich when she disappeared December 10th. Her body was found on December 12th near Levington. She was found naked but not sexually assaulted. The post-mortem stated that she had died from a compression to the throat. 
Prior to her death, Paula had been on the news for ITV Anglia News, saying about the then-murders that despite them making her a bit wary about getting into cars, she continued to work because she said she needed the money. She moved to East Anglia ten years before her death, following the breakup of her parents' marriage. All three of her children had been taken into care and adopted out due to her drug addiction. During trial, the court heard how the bodies of Annalee Alderton and Annette Nichols were deliberately posed in the cruciform position, with DNA evidence linking Steve Wright to three of the victims and fiber evidence also connecting him to the victims. In his summing up, the judge urged the jury to put aside their emotions. The loss of these five young lives is clearly a tragedy. You are likely to have sympathy for the deceased and their families. Your sympathy must not sway you. You may view with some distaste the lifestyles of those involved. Whatever the drugs they took, whatever the work they did, no one is entitled to do these women any harm, let alone kill them. February 21, 2008, Steve Wright was found guilty of all five murders. He was sentenced to life imprisonment with the judge recommending against parole because the murders involved a substantial degree of premeditation and planning. While it's good he was caught and is still locked up, you definitely have to wonder why he just started killing at 47 years of age. It's not very usual. In fact, there are investigations regarding Steve Wright and other unsolved murders. There was a former sex worker who claimed Wright attacked her in the 1980s, so if there are other victims, hopefully he will be linked to them. There are other serial killers who we've heard about that have started later in life, like the happy face killer who started killing when he was 35, but it's definitely not the norm. Most serial killers start in their early 20s or earlier. Steve Gerald James Wright was born in Norfolk Village of Erpingham in April 1958. He was the second of four children. His father was a military policeman and his mother was a veterinary nurse. Wright's mother left in 1964 when he was just six years old. His parents officially divorced in 1978. Wright and his siblings stayed with their father, who remarried and had more kids with his new wife. After high school, Wright joined the Merchant Navy. In 1978, he got married, and he and his wife had a son together. They eventually divorced, and then in 1987, Wright remarried, but this one ended in divorce just a year later. Steve Wright has worked as a dock worker, a steward on the Queen Elizabeth II, or QE2 as it is known, which was the flagship of the Cunard Line for nearly 40 years. Wright was also a lorry driver, which is a truck driver in the U.S., and a barman. Just before he was arrested, he was working as a forklift truck driver. It was reported that he had tried to commit suicide at least two times, once being by carbon monoxide and later by an overdose of pills. He had built up large debts mostly through gambling and had recently been declared bankrupt. In 2004, he moved from Felixstowe to Ipswich with his girlfriend, Pamela Wright. They shared the same surname, but it was just a coincidence. Although they had been together for three years, they had not gotten married. Wright first started using prostitutes while he was in the Merchant Navy and continued to do so until arrested for murder. Steve Wright is still alive at the age of 63, continuing to serve his life sentence. The next movie is The Pembrokeshire Murders, starring Luke Evans, Keith Allen, Oliver Ryan, and Carolyn Berry. 
This is a new one on Amazon Prime BritBox. It's very good. I definitely recommend it. This movie is done in three episodes, and it goes by quick because it is so engaging. The movie description reads as follows. Detective Superintendent reopens two unsolved murder cases from the 1980s. Forensic methods link the crimes to a series of burglaries. Steve's team has to find more evidence before the perpetrator is released from prison. In the movie, the detective superintendent, Steve Wilkins, takes a look at some old crimes as well as the man who was the prime suspect at the time. He finds some new evidence and starts to interview him and his family members while he is still in prison on a separate charge. John William Cooper gets parole, and the detectives need to be sure in a hurry before he kills again. The investigation took place in Wales between 2006 and 2011. Cooper was found guilty of all of it, even the attacks which were not originally attributed to him in the first investigation. The movie goes into the amazing second investigation, which is truly fascinating, and how they found the proof to convict him. It also goes into what a horrible bastard John Cooper was and his crimes. The courthouse speech of the detective was one of the best I've ever heard, and great testimony to the power of evidence in this age of technology. There's also a documentary to accompany this film, which is also on Amazon, The Pembrokeshire Murders, Catching the Game Show Killer. He eluded capture for these murders for nearly 25 years. Pembrokeshire in Wales in the UK is a scenic coastline where people go for vacations, or to spend the holidays, as they say in the UK. In the 1980s, two double murders were perpetrated and no one caught. Four people attacked, shot, and robbed. In 2006, they brought in a team to go over it again. With the advances in forensic science, they thought it was good to take a fresh look at the murders. Stephen Wilkins was the senior investigator for Operation Ottawa. In December of 1985, there was a fire in a house belonging to 58-year-old Richard Thomas and his 56-year-old sister Helen. Their bodies were recovered from the burned-out home and gunshot wounds were discovered on both of them. Helen had gunshot wounds and also a black rope around her neck. In the investigation, it was found that Helen had been alone when the killer had arrived, and she had been tied up, possibly sexually assaulted, and then shot. When Richard returned to the house, John Cooper was still there, and he shot Richard, killing him. Then he set the house on fire to cover his tracks. At the time, people in the area were questioned, including John Cooper, who was a handyman with a history of violence in his youth. Cooper's wife and children alibied him. In 1986, a couple went missing in Little Haven, a county of Pembrokeshire. Peter and Gwenda Dixon had a tent in their car at a campsite and were walking along a path by the coast. During a search for the missing couple, their bodies were found in some shrubbery. Peter was shot and tied up. His wife was found partially clothed and shot five times. Gwenda was 52 and Peter 51. Peter Dixon's credit cards were used at ATMs around the area. A man seen using Dixon's card was made into a sketch that would become crucial to the investigation some years later. The sketch became known as the Wild Man due to the unkempt appearance of the subject. Starting around 1983, that rural area of Wales had a series of burglaries. Sometime in the 1990s, items were found in John Cooper's house that had been stolen in those burglaries. As he had also been questioned in the death of Richard and Helen Thomas, a thorough search of his house and grounds were done. They found a buried shotgun, more than 50 ropes, as well as stolen jewelry. 
In December 1998, Cooper was put in prison for 16 years for 30 burglaries and one robbery. There was suspicion that Cooper was also responsible for the shotgun murders, but it couldn't be proven. During the investigation that began in 2006, another crime was looked at again. In March 1996, a man dressed in a balaclava and carrying a shotgun confronted five teenagers in a field near Milford Haven. He made them all lie face down on the ground, and he took one of the girls off, away from the group, and raped her. He also indecently assaulted one of the other girls in the group. Steve Wilkins believed that John Cooper was responsible for this attack as well as the shotgun murders. Up until this point, they had been careful not to let John Cooper know they were actively investigating the case again. But with more certainty that Cooper was their man, Steve Wilkins decided to be interviewed in a news piece on the murders, and he made sure that what he said would unnerve Cooper, who he knew would be watching from prison. Steve gave the impression that they had a lot more forensic evidence already than they actually had at that point. Not that they weren't working on it. They were. They were going back through all of the items recovered from Cooper's house during the search about the burglaries to see if anything could be connected to this crime or others. Meanwhile, Cooper had served 10 years and was about to be released on parole. They were concerned about him offending again. Cooper's wife, Pat, actually died the night of his release. She died of natural causes. She had chronic heart disease, and he was released that afternoon, and she died that night. She had been terrified of him all her married life and had 10 years without him while he was in prison. He returns, and her heart gives out. The investigators examined a pair of shorts that had been recovered in Cooper's house in 1998. They looked like they could be the shorts in the police sketch of the man who used Peter Dixon's credit cards after he was murdered. They found what appeared to be a tiny spot of blood on the shorts. They got a DNA result on the blood. It was Peter Dixon's blood. They were able to link Cooper to all four murders with other forensic fibers and hair. They were also able to link forensics from the 1996 rape and attacks on the five teenagers in Milford. They had gone through as many photographs as they could to try and find one that showed John Cooper appearing as the perpetrator had in the police sketch. They finally found it on a video, not a photograph. John Cooper had appeared on a TV game show called Bullseye in 1985, just three weeks before the Dixons were murdered. They were able to pause the video to where Cooper was standing just like in the sketch, and the two matched up. The whole thing is such an excellent example of quality investigating. Seriously impressive. In the movie, John Cooper tried to blame the murders on his son. Turns out, in real life, he did the same. In the movie, they just have the son, Andrew, but in real life, there was a daughter and a son. The son testified against him, including the information that his dad often left the house in the middle of the night with a shotgun in his coat. Sadly, Cooper really was a terribly abusive father with both physical abuse and emotional. One example given was that when his children were young, there were some baby chicks, and Cooper shot them while his children watched. In the movie, they go into the physical abuse against Andrew, and there was a lot of that as he was growing up. With a killer like Cooper, the question of other victims makes sense. There was another mysterious death that might have been connected to Cooper. In 1989, 72 years old, fit and active woman Flo Evans was found dead in a bathtub of water. There were some suspicious things about this death, but it was eventually ruled an accidental death. In hindsight, knowing about John Cooper, it may not have been. He was her handyman.
John William Cooper was born September 4, 1944, in Milford Haven, Pembrokeshire, Wales. He developed quite a rap sheet between the ages of 17 and 21. Cooper was charged with theft of a vehicle, assaulting a police officer, being drunk and disorderly, and assault occasioning actual bodily harm. In 1978, Cooper won 90,000 pounds, which is worth over 500,000 pounds in today's money, and also a 4,000-pound car in a newspaper spot-the-ball competition. He was a farm worker at the time of the winnings. A friend said, John developed a huge drink and gambling habit after his winning. It was a life-changing amount of money, and I saw a real change in him. He spent most of it in pubs and bookies. People were scared of him, and he got into a lot of fights. As the money dried up, he started the robberies. In 2011, Cooper was sentenced to life for four murders, a rape, and sexual assault. He is serving four whole-life sentences and will never be released. John William Cooper is still alive at the current age of 76. I have two bonus movie names that you can look up and stream if you want to. The first one is Murders at White House Farm. It's a 2020 movie starring Freddie Fox, Mark Addy, Mark Stanley, and Gemma Whalen. I found it on HBO Max. It's a newer one. Uh, They also have a companion podcast to go with it. The story is described as revolves around the true story of a fateful night in August 1985 when five members of the same family are murdered at an Essex farmhouse and the ensuing police investigation and court case that follows. Second bonus movie name is Little Boy Blue. It's a 2017 movie that I found on Amazon BritBox. Stars Stephen Graham, Sinead Keenan, and Brian O'Byrne. It's the story about the murder of an 11-year-old boy, Rice Jones, in Croxteth, Liverpool, in 2007, and his parents, Melanie's and Steve's ordeal, and how Rice's murderer and associates were eventually brought to justice. Four episodes in this one, and it's really well done. Stay tuned after the music for the update and also for the sources for today's episode. In the episode Rabbit Hole 2, I covered a movie that was made about the Son of Sam case, and I'm very happy to tell you about a new documentary on Netflix, if you haven't already heard. In the episode I did, I did state that I believe David Berkowitz acted alone, but this documentary actually changed my mind. I was astonished that I had never heard any of that about the brothers or some of the other stuff. If you are interested in learning more about the case, you should definitely check that out. I don't want to do any spoilers for you. It's brand new as of the writing of this. The Sons of Sam, A Descent into Darkness. And even if you don't come away with the same changed opinion as me, the documentary is worth it just for the footage that you've never seen before. Joshua Zeman did this one, and he is just amazing. I loved his other documentaries, uh, Cropsey from 2009, Killer Legends from 2014, and The Killing Season from 2016. Those are all must-sees. I do check on the cases every once in a while to see if anything new has developed, and if I find anything, I will report back to you all. Please do feel free to email me about any updates or any cases you'd like featured, etc. Uh, please come and visit me on social media. Instagram is at Cherry Avenue True Crime. Twitter, 
at Avenue Crime. If you would like to support this podcast, please share with a friend or share about the podcast on social media. And as always, please stay and be safe. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes, but they are as follows. Steve Wright, Serial Killer, Wikipedia. Ipswich Serial Murders, Wikipedia. Who is Steve Wright and where is he now? The Sun, by Sam Christie. The Real Pembrokeshire Murders Inside the True Story, Heavy.com. John Cooper Serial Killer, Wikipedia. The Horrifying Unknown Details of John Cooper's Life, which culminated in multiple murders, Wales Online. The Sun, UK News, Pembrokeshire Murderer, John Cooper, Wife, Pat. And all the links to those will be in the show notes.